Welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Command and control leadership is dead. We interview leaders, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches challenging old paradigms and fostering cutting-edge leadership. Here's your host, certified executive coach, Nate Leslie. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in. My guest today, Eileen Schaefer, is the CEO of Silicon Valley Change. We met in a breakout group and we connected and I just thought I need to have Eileen on this show. Uh, Silicon Valley Change is an organization of up to 80 executive coaches working in seven different languages globally. They've grown far beyond Silicon Valley. Very experienced coaches as uh, on their roster and all with experience in positive psychology. It, which is taking off right now in the leadership space. And for uh, anyone who's curious about what that means, maybe you've heard that word before, uh, we explore the framework about what it means to, to lead with that, with that positive mindset. And it's evidence-based and researched, uh, that data-driven um, approach to leadership, which I think is really cool. Um, we explore how this great resignation that's going on right now in organizations can instead become a great opportunity, starting with finding what is right about the people in your organization. Uh, she's really well-spoken. She has a decades of coaching experience. And if you're interested in this idea of strengths-based leadership, positive psychology, uh, and how to create opportunity from these challenging times, then I think this is the right episode for you. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you and enjoy. Aline Schaefer, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Nate, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You know, you and I met in a Zoom room a couple of months ago at the International Coach Federation virtual conference where there was 2,000 coaches in 80 countries around the world. Uh, and yeah, we had a brief but nice chat and we felt like connecting would be a good idea. And, uh, and here we are. I am so glad we reached out after, you know, you never know with something so large, if you're going to meet somebody, but I felt like we need to talk more. So I'm glad we did. Right on. And here we are. We've got about half an hour. Uh, just tell the listeners a little bit about literally where you are and what you're up to in your organization. Absolutely. So literally I'm in San Diego, California, and um, I, I'm an executive coach and work for a company. I lead a company of executive coaches. It's called Silicon Valley Change Executive Coaching. So while the company was born in Northern California in the Silicon Valley area, we serve clients globally in a variety of languages and have a little over 80 coaches on our bench. Wow. And, and you're a PCC, which to the listeners is uh, that might not know, it's a uh, well, well over 500 hours of coaching uh, and, and, and beyond, and it's a significant benchmark. Uh, just, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the range of coaches then that you have uh, in, in your, on your bench. Oh, absolutely. So yes, I actually, just backing up real quickly, I um, started as a coach for, the, well, I started as a coach privately, as many of us do, and mm -hmm. coached for about 20 years. That's where I started gaining hours to um, become certified, and then joined this company a couple of years ago as an executive coach, and, um, and then just in March started um, as the CEO of the company. And the coaches on our team, we have glo coaches globally uh, now covering 
seven languages, um, wow. which is pretty, pretty cool. And continuing to add on languages as our clients have needs. Um, and our coaches all come with one common thread and that, well, actually I'm going to say three common threads. Okay. The one is more a theme and that's, we all have a background and expertise in positive psychology. And so that really is woven through all the work that we do. And that's the study of what's right with people and how do we, um, help individuals and organizations flourish. And so it's the study of, um, strengths, well-being, and, and how do we get more of that um, from, from people? So that's one. The other is all of our coaches have a minimum of 10 years of experience coaching. So wow. prior to becoming a coach with us, since we're really coaching senior leaders, we want to make sure that they have an expertise uh, uh, in coaching and are ready for that, ready for that level of coaching. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, they also come with I would say a minimum actually of 10 years of professional experience of high level professional experience before becoming a coach. So um, those are kind of the three pillars, the positive psychology, being very well experienced as a coach, and then um, having a high level individual professional experience as well. Yeah. So it, they can have that lens as they're coaching. Yeah. Wow. That is a that is a qualified group of individuals around the globe. Uh, well done, um, you know, maintaining that that highest standard. Where does that show up in paying dividends, uh, you know, with your clients? Yeah, I would say it it shows up obviously in the one to one interactions. It shows up in terms of the results um, of what what they can accomplish with with a client. Um, not having, I think, one of the things as you and I both know as coaches is. So much of what we're doing, we're not advising, we're not consulting, but we are knowing how to ask the right questions and help our clients arrive at the right answers. And I think with that kind of experience, the coaches really know what questions to ask at the right time so that the client can really un uncover where they need to go next. Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny because you always think if you can direct somebody someplace, that means that you really have a skill set to be able to direct them and lead mm -hmm. them. And that's the opposite of what we want mm -hmm. to be doing yeah. in coaching, right? We want the client to be able to ultimately lead themselves where they need to go. And so the, the more, the higher the skill set of the coach, I think you start to see that more and more. You know, I, I often joke, I'm competitive, a former athlete, and I think at the end of every coaching conversation could pick it apart if I wanted to, Oh, I should have asked this, or I might've done this differently. You know, if I had a do over, uh, and, and with, with that time, with logging those hours, with the years that go by working with leaders, that's where the wisdom comes from. Right. And, and so while most of us likely uh, reflect on, on the conversation as a, as a, as a practice of, of getting better at it, it's that, just like anything with time and practice comes wisdom to craft deeper, more meaningful, more appropriate questions. Would you agree with that? I see you nodding. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely nodding yes. And I think there is certainly, there are some phenomenal, phenomenal coaches who are brand new. Innately, they just shine. And so mm -hmm. I don't want to take away from that too. And I would say, you know, as, as we like to do with our clients, I'd like to do it with ourselves is we embrace a growth mindset. So that growth happens over time. And as you so beautifully said, so, so comes that wisdom. 
you emphasized and I have a I have a sense that you like and instead of but and that might just work in with a positive psychology. Did I pick up on that one? <laughs> I yeah, love it. Absolutely. It's funny. I was just working with a client the other day and I, I was saying I said, how could we use an and here instead of a but or instead of an as instead of an or? <laughs> When I share that with people who haven't heard it before, they normally go, uh, what was that? Uh, so let's just, let's just take it back a step. Just sh- share as though I never mentioned it. Um, yeah. Share, share insight that might help the listener on, on the use of the powerful use of and. Yeah. I like using and when, so it doesn't discount. So sometimes mm-hmm. we, for example, let's use a new coach versus an experience one. If we, if it's an either, or it, it could discount the, say the newer coach. So while a newer coach might have um, uh, an innate ability to come forward in their coaching engagements and just do a beautiful job and having more experience, an experienced coach could take it to X, Y, and Z level as opposed to um, saying, but an experienced coach is able to do this Mm -hmm. because then it discounts the other person when the other person actually brings something invaluable to the table. So, and how do we look at that? And so when we use, but sometimes we can discount and, or oftentimes we pit two things against each other. It's like, you have to pick this or this. What would a solution look like that might incorporate both those things. And that that's where you get into that. And yeah, the, but discounts and the, and actually acknowledges uh, the work that's gotten you from a zero to say a three, you're on your way to a six perhaps. Right. And all yeah. the good things. I Love also that. caught you say, uh, um, we're trying to figure out what, uh, what's right with people. That may be our segue into the positive <laughs> psychology approach. Uh, I love it. Yes. Go for it. (laughs) So um, yes, yes. And so uh, with, with what's right with people, that is where we bring in the positive psychology. And I know you and I were touching bases a little bit on just one thing our clients are feeling in such a huge way is this great resignation and Mm -hmm. people leaving and trying to recruit, trying to retain. And I really started to think about how might we use positive psychology to create, look at this as what's our great opportunity here instead of the great resignation, or it might be the great resignation and the great, <laughs> the great opportunity and um, what's right. So when you might be listening, thinking what's right, there's nothing right. We're losing employees left and right. No pun intended, but instead, how might we look at it as what's right with the people who are staying? what's working for them and how do we start to shift our gaze to what's working and what's going well. And as humans, we often are, or our brain is predisposed to look at what's wrong and where's the problem. And so, so much of our gaze right now with the resignation issue is looking at those people who are leaving. And if we could start to invest more and at Silicon Valley change, we always say, let's invest in our top performers. So if we can invest and pay attention to who is staying and what's right, and even have conversations around what's making you want to stay, what's working Mm -hmm. for you here. We have Mm -hmm. all those um, exit conversations when people leave. What kind of conversation can we have about what's really working well? 
And what do you want more of? And that's where positive psychology really comes in. There's so much I want to ask about uh, the, the, the exit interview done in month one instead of month 24 when they're leaving might have actually created that opportunity for change. It's kind of like having the year end wrap uh, wrap up party in your daughter's, I don't know, volleyball league or whatever. Like, what if we did this at the start of the year and we actually got closer early instead of saying at that year end party, oh, we should have done this before. I don't know. Do you draw a parallel there? Oh, I love that. I love that because what I also hear you saying, and correct me if I'm going in, in a different direction, but what I hear you saying in that is let's envision, and this is this is where positive psychology comes in, is let's envision the best possible future. Hmm. Now we've envisioned it. We've got it in the mind's eye. So how do we take that and actually create that into a reality? So, and what I hear you saying is let's celebrate our successes at the end of volleyball. What do we do to be so awesome? And now let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's also reminding me of this idea of, uh, well, I think it's the same, same, same appreciative inquiry. If you seek it, you'll find it. Yeah. If you seek the things that are happening that are good, you'll find them. And if you focus on all the terrible things that are happening in this pandemic, you'll find those really quickly too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you, um, I was listening to Jim quick, uh, podcast with him on, he does it on the brain and I'm drawing, I think it's called the quick brain is I'm pretty sure that's the name. And he was talking about our brain being like Google basically. And when, um, when you start to think about, okay, oh my gosh, this is so wrong. Everybody's leaving the company's falling apart, whatever it is, your brain says, oh my gosh, Nate loves looking at things that are wrong with the company. Let's, let's feed some more things that are wrong with the company. And it's kind of like if you shop on Google for a pair of shoes, next thing you know, you're flooded with shoe ads because Google knows Nate likes shoes. So, um, so it's exactly what you're talking about. And I think if we can start to um, create Barbara Fredrickson um, talks about um, positive emotions. And if we can start to create that, um, I'm sorry, not, um, Oh gosh, now I just, it was not Barbara Fredrickson and I just, it's just escaped my mind, but um, the broaden and build, if we can start to broaden and build our thinking as opposed to narrow and constricting. And so Mm. we want to broaden and build it with what's right and what's positive. Mm. So when you've been looking at the great opportunity out of the great resignation, what are you finding? So I am finding it's an opportunity to pause and just exhale for a moment and think about what is working, what's right. If we, or if this person were more effective, what might that look like? And, um, and having those conversations again with the people who are committed to staying, something's working for them. So mm-hmm. what is it? And what do they maybe want more of? And again, when we look at positive psychology in the framework, there's some key things that we wanna make sure that we're doing. So one within that, um, the, the, there's a framework PERMA, which is positivity, enga- or po- I'm sorry, positive emotions, um, engagement, relationship, meaning, and accomplishment. And if we look at it through that lens, the, um, the P where we're gonna get those positive emotions is 
one simple thing is gratitude, just being grateful for where, you know, where you are, what you have, and how do you maybe share that gratitude with the people who are staying and really focus in on what they're doing right, highlighting that and acknowledging. The engagement is really looking at strengths and savoring and being more mindful. So you can also do that with your organization, with individuals, and um, start to come from a strengths-based you know, perspective. Relationships, I think, is one of the key things in this whole pie. And I think because we are, most our teams right now are remote, that relationship, it's, it's all the more important as well as tougher to cultivate right now. And so really thinking about how can we create those um, close ties between people on the team? Because oftentimes, you know, we, we're, we're leaving if we're not feeling that connection. It's a lot harder to leave, leave an organization when you really connect with the people and, um, and the culture. So the more we can invest in that, and that's that relationship piece. M is the meaning piece. So how do you help people connect meaning to what they're doing at your organization? And not only within their specific job, but also within the company culture and the company mission. So is the mission clear? And how do you connect meaning to that? And then accomplishment is that goal setting and having a sense of hope as well. So those are some, I'm using that framework for how we might be able to look at this as an opportunity to move forward. That was a lot to throw your way. <laughs> I got notes on it. And I know Ben, who uh, turns these into blog posts, is going to capture it too. And what actually was coming up for me was one of my favorite things of doing this podcast and talking to people who, arrive, who have arrived in this position. Um, I use these words carefully to not deserve to be on this podcast, who will add value to this podcast. So many common themes come up. We all bringing our uh, frameworks we're trained in or things that have caught our, caught our interest, people that we follow and that influence the way we see things. And that framework of positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment could layer right on top of some of the 360 tools that I use, whether it's uh, supporting Lions Institute here in Vancouver, where on the high performance index, where we can sort of measure that in across 10 people or 10,000 people yeah. uh, to the LPI 360. I just finished their training the other day. These sort of the tactical ways that a leader shows up or the frequency of behavior. If a leader does these 20 or 30 things often, it will result in positive emotion deeper engagement, stronger relationships, connecting meaning to the work that they're doing, and of course, accomplishment, achieving more goals than you would have if you just ignored all of that. Boom. It's, you're, yeah. <laughs> Should we stop? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> well, and I'd imagine also as a professional athlete, you so can connect to this whole model and see where this was, you know, your that's how you probably got so far for so long in your career prior to becoming a coach. Yeah, yes and no. <laughs> and the, like the, the work I do with the Supporting Lines Institute here, where we call this high-performance leadership. You call it positive psychology. 
they live they live together like to perform at a high standard to get people to uh, learn from their own experience engage deeper in their work and achieve more than they otherwise would have that should be exactly what an olympian is doing uh, one of the things that drew me to executive coaching is as an athlete i saw it uh, shout out to all the incredible coaches that i had and and i saw it in action where you really felt these things. I also saw so many occasions and sport is coming out of, uh, yeah, there's some coaches in headlines these days. There's, there's a cultural transformation that's happening where a lot of this was not happening. And in fact, was buried to the public, uh, to the public's awareness And athletes were able to thrive in spite of the fact a lot of this didn't happen. In fact, there was an off. I grew up in the night, went through it in the 90s, early 2000s, where if you had a certain type of coach, you felt connected. They were a player's coach. If you had another type of coach, which was very popular, you bonded with your team to win in spite of the a-hole coach that you had. Yeah. And that is, that is still alive and well, but like, and we would say, I said this the other day when a headline came out about a coach, like that was happening all around us. And, and, and we would say, imagine if this thing happened in a real job, <laughs> we didn't take our profession as a real job, right? We were living <laughs> on cloud nine, getting to do it as, as, as a living. Um, but yeah, so there's a new way forward and some sport coaches are leading the charge and shining a light on all the amazing things that can really get an athlete to perform at a high standard. And there are others who are getting called out for what is no longer tolerated behavior. Yeah. Well, and I think that parallels, I love, I, I love how you kind of are able to articulate both sides and the experience that's happening simultaneously. And I think that's true in organizations, right? The old style of leadership. And that isn't that the title of your, your pod, what's the title of your podcast again? Well, leading with curiosity, command and control leadership is dead. Boom. And so it's, if you are going to lead effectively, and I think the leaders who are doing it well, are going to um, com- continue to move forward. Whereas kind of an old style leadership that is outdated and um, really doesn't work and it doesn't engage. Right now we are in a time we must engage mm. and connect with our employees and help them connect with the mission of what mm. the organization's doing so that they can show up as their best self. And um, Senya uh, Maiman, who's the founder of our company, she wrote the book, um, Profit from the Positive, which is a phenomenal, mm. phenomenal bestseller. She's a co-author with Margaret Greenberg. They're both exceptional um, coaches and thought leaders in the space. And um, literally profit from the positive. I think if organizations can start to realize how they can profit from having a different style leadership, it it will make a sustainable and transformational impact on their teams and organizations. Here's how logical it can be. Sometimes when we highlight or shine a light on these things there just isn't an option we're in the middle of a great resignation people are leaving for a variety of reasons one in part because often they can you know live in san diego and work for a company in vancouver as just an example yeah um 
and you're wondering if the command and control archaic leadership style might be able to retain people or might that just push people away? Like it's, it's, if you're thinking about what is right about your organization, uh, being scared of my boss is not one of them, right? Right. No. And particularly if you think there's another place that I can, you know, I can be and not be treated that way. I do also think it's, it'll be interesting to see what we find. We have um, one of um, our organizations who I work with, a lot of the people who, in addition to the clients who I do executive coaching one-to-one with, um, I, a big part of my day is spent working with the H&R, HR professionals, leadership and development professionals within organizations. That's who brings in our team and then we match them with our hmm. coaches. And um, I was on a call earlier today with one of my um, HR partners and with their, what he's consistently saying is a lot of people are leaving purely because of the money and not just his organization. We were just talking about this issue on a bigger scale. And I think, unfortunately, what I think we have two things happening. One, that there's things that organizations can do and it's, it is giving them an opportunity to pause, recalibrate and think, how do we want to move forward? And then I think also on the employee side, the chasing money, we know from a positive psychology, from the research in positive psychology and what makes people actually happy and greater life satisfaction, chasing money beyond meeting our basic needs. I mean, that's obviously important. You need to have food on the table, roof over your head. But once you start to get to those higher level incomes, that's not what's gonna bring Mm. happiness and joy. So I'll be interested to see with this whole group that this mass exodus, if you will, they might be finding, oh, I left a company where I felt really connected to the people, to the mission, to the purpose. And it really was a great culture. And mm. I left for a paycheck. Mm. I, so I think we might have some buyer's remorse down the line for mm. people who are only leaving because of financial reasons. If you're leaving because of an unhealthy environment, totally makes sense. But mm. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, connecting all those things in the positive psychology framework that if those are in place, or conversely, throwing, throwing money at a problem, giving a raise or giving a person a raise, hoping that that's going to fix things. I mean, that's been well documented for decades that 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 doesn't work, people will eventually leave anyways. And now it might be the inverse, they're leaving for a new opportunity, but realizing they might be be leaving something behind that was that was worth sticking around for. Yeah. I'm curious, Nate, for you, what you're finding with some of your clients around this topic of the great resignation. I'm finding that, let me just get this as clearly as I can. People are far more willing to talk about what's important to them now through all of this and that conversations about how they're feeling, yeah. um, their view on the world, their amount of input they have in their organizations. I, I think if we look at this as a great opportunity, that there was a demographic that I grew up around that didn't want to talk about how things actually are. They like to pretend that things were a certain way. And that maybe there's never been a better opportunity to draw a line in the sand and say, we're not going back to that. And that we can have real conversations about 
what is working. And, um, you know, I've, I've been drawn, I think, I think your work is giving some framework to a position that I've always felt. I think it's been a strength, this idea of strengths-based leadership and doing what you're great at and accepting that there are things that, that are down, way down your list of strengths that maybe it's time to sleep better at night by not worrying about them because they're, <laughs> they're so far down, right? right. <laughs> um, and build teams around, around unique strengths that fit together in a good way. Um, but I don't know if I was answering your question specifically, but back to what am I seeing? I'm, I'm seeing that people are willing to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, in a way like never before. Yeah, you know, I love what you're talking about because it it's people are having more authentic, vulnerable conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the long run that does create healthier environments, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of those put the two beside each other and there's there's no argument to, to be made for the other, like keep it in and bottle it up and hope no one notices and pretend it's not happening. And have it explode at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Tried <laughs> no, that. Society tried that, right? In particular, um, you know, men, if I were to gender stereotype, which you got to be careful of, but, you know, I, I have had conversations. I use that as an anecdotal um example i've had conversations with with many men clients or colleagues who are willing to say hey let's talk about this um, yeah yeah it's it is it's it i think it's interesting because i do think we are moving from and particularly with this new generation of leaders coming up i think we are um we're dropping some of the pretenses, dropping some of the boundaries around conversations. So we're in an interesting time of change. My, yeah. my background, in addition to positive psychology and executive coaching is my graduate work is um, counseling psychology and life transitions specifically. Uh -huh. And we are in such a huge time of transition. And so just weaving it all together, it's um, if I, if I weren't living through it, I'd find it super interesting as an experiment. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess it's fun to live through too, but it's, it, it's definitely an interesting time of change for, for all of us. Right. Gosh, with your, your background and what you're doing now and decades of experience coaching, uh, it really seems like you're, you're the right person for the role you're in right now. And I think they really, seem really lucky to have you. Uh, thank you. I, I get such joy at getting to do what I do. I was telling someone the other day, I said to wake up and have an opportunity to work with these HR partners who are, I just, I love, I love the connection with them and um, the role they're playing is vital to their organization mm. and to be able to support them in that. Um, I feel so lucky. And then with the coaches on our team, I feel like I learn and grow every single time I'm on a call with yeah. our coaches. I'm like taking notes. Um, it's, I feel, I feel lucky to be where I, where I am right now. Yeah, I and I feel you. lucky that we met. I mean, <laughs> how fun, how <laughs> fun you. is that? Yeah. So um, as I said to Nate, right before I said, I feel like everybody's making these new great friends virtually. It's a, how many people, if you step back and think about how many people have I met virtually in, you know, since March, 2020, it's significant. Yeah. yeah. People who I've never, ever met in person before, but 
you could just pick up their vibe and energy um, online. So yeah. Well, and when you met them by phone in the past, you'd wonder what they look like. And now you wonder how tall they're going to be when you meet, right? <laughs> It's, it's funny you say that. So on our team, I, um, there's many of us who have only met virtually even on in within Silicon Valley change. And we did, we finally had a conversation. How tall are you anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you better be allowed to ask your HR professionals. You better be allowed to ask that these days, yes, you know, like I, I'm just trying convers- to get to know you. Yeah. Yeah. Conversation did not lead with me. It was somebody yeah. else on the team. Um, but it's not that, and not that it matters at all. But it's funny because you, there's something about that you just um, to have a full, a full 360 of who are these people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. it's um, it's funny. But even I notice, and I don't know for yourself, just even over time. Besides joking aside about you know how tall are you or um, what have you the um uh the level of questions and depth of questions i'm finding within our team and um and i was just talking to another one of my clients he was saying the same with his team is they're just getting deeper and deeper as the time goes on and i mm-hmm. almost feel like and which brings the teams closer together and mm-hmm. i almost wonder if there's something with the virtual environment that while it impacts our connection on some levels again, there's that and it, it allows there to be a deeper level of connection in different ways. It's a nice final thought as we navigate and look for opportunity in this new world order. We're going to leave it right there. Eileen Schaefer, thank you very much for your time. And people can check her out at svchange.com. Any, anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with? No, I thank you for having me. It's been a delight to be here. So thank you so very much. And um, I realized at the very, I, I realized I, the reference that I made with Barbara Fredrickson, it was right. I had a couple names coming in at one time. I'm like, nope, definitely Barbara Fredrickson in the case that any listener wants to research her further. I had a feeling we'd, it would come full circle, right? What Just when you don't need it in the moment. That's it's better me. than when, you know, in the middle of sleeping and you pop up and say it was right. So <laughs> yeah. I'm let, now you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> okay, right on. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Leading with Curiosity. Please share, follow, and rate the show so that other leaders can make positive change in the world. Connect with Nate at natelesley.ca. And remember, the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen.